0: In First Corinthians, he is uh, preaching to this church. We talked about a few things already about how when we do things God's way, it works, okay? When you do things God's way, it works. If you don't do things God's way, it doesn't work. And when you do things God's way, it brings peace. The world is sitting there struggling, saying, I have no peace. I'm filled with anxiety. Life is not working. Go ahead and live your way, and I promise you, you will have no peace. Things fall apart. Things just get, become a mess, we talked about when you do things God's way, that God gives us a testimony. We, we stand out in the world. We shine for Jesus Christ. You, you live as a godly father, and I promise you the world around you is like, wow, that's different. I, I, I thought that was something that we only saw in like Leave it to Beaver or something like the, one of those old-time shows, like being a dad like that. No, it's being a biblical dad. We should stand out as loving our kids and loving our neighbor loving our spouses and serving God and being sacrificial. This plays along with that. This, this is Paul preaching to the church, and he is, he's talking to, this, uh, to them about an important thing, some, something so vital that you would sit there and say, well, th- th- I can't believe that's the sin, or I can't believe that's the issue that he's opening up with. But listen, listen to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. So we did those first verses, now we're at verse 10. And he says, now I beseech you, brethren, brethren, church family, brothers and sisters in Christ." It means those connected, the word brethren means those connected through, through birth or whatever, but he's talking to the church. He's literally saying, hey, I'm going to talk to the church, but I'm talking to a family. Guys, we are, we are a church family, and I, I want you to know the context of what we're talking about is not going to be accepted by the world because they live by a different standard, but I, I promise you what we're talking about now should be applied to the church family. It says, by the name of Of our Lord Jesus Christ, saved. They all speak the same thing. He said the same thing. That he says, I I want you to be on the same page. It's not my opinion or I view it this way or I don't see it this way. Everything that we do when we come to church and we make a decision or make things right or live a certain way, it's not based on how I feel. It's based on what he said. He said, "I want I want you to get on the same page with this." He said. Now listen to this, that there be no division among you, no division, but ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. He's repeating what he said there, for it had been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are in the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. He said, he said, there's contentions, there's strife, there's fighting, there's division, there's problems among you, among the church. So said, this isn't good. So said, this isn't right. So let me put it like this. He was saying, and, and, and I don't know exactly what groups were against what groups, but he said the, the church is like, this group won't talk to this group. And this, there, there's people that dropped out of life group because they, can't, they had a confrontation with somebody in life group, and they're like, I'm just not going to life group anymore. Or somebody that served in the ministry, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to serve in that ministry anymore. And, I, and there's, there's division among you. So why are you preaching this? Uh, Paul, Paul was addressing this at the very beginning because everything that he's going to hit, he was addressing the bigger issue that you're, you're splintered. We, we, we make phrases like you made me mad and I'm done with you. I wrote them off. Or I gave them a piece of my mind or I'm not having anything to do with them anymore. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul and I'm of Paulus and I'm of Cephas and I'm of Christ. So they started choosing sides or choosing teams. Some of them said, well, I'm with Peter, I, I, I just believe what he said, and, and I believe that his writing was better than anybody else, and, and what he was preaching, and some said, well, I'm with Paul, he's the one that showed us the, the truth, and he's the one that evangelized to begin with. Some of them are just like, I'm just for Jesus. And Paul was saying, hey, it's great that you follow certain teachings and things that are from the Bible, and that you cheer on certain pastors, whatever, but he said the problem is when you begin to separate from other people in there. Separation comes, or division comes in a lot of different forms, but he said it's unhealthy for you when you start taking sides. Paul says this in verse 13. He says, is Christ divided? Think about the question. He goes, wait a minute. Is is Christ divided? He said you're a church, but is Christ divided? He said, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Out of all the things that Paul could have addressed at the beginning of this, he addresses division. Here's, here's what Paul was telling. This is how we are different. Let me, let me lay this. Number one, as a church, as Christians, we stand against division. We stand against it. Let, let me prove this to you. This is, how serious is this? He says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. There be no division, none among you. He didn't say, it's okay for some, or some of you are going to get upset. Yeah, but there's certain circumstances. He said, I'm just going to lay it out. He said, there is to be no division in the church. None. I, it was not a suggestion. It wasn't an option. He said, why is that? Because division, number one, goes against God's plan. Notice how he says in verse 10, in the middle of this, he says, but that ye be perfectly joined together. Now, think about the illustration that God gave us about the church. He, he, he says that, that the whole body fitly joined together. So it's a matter of the hand cannot say to the arm, I have no need of you. And this is in the writings that uh, Paul wrote to other churches. He said, he said, I want you to understand that you're the body of Christ. The hand cannot say to the elbow, I have no need of you. Because he said, God is the one that put us together. And the hand needs the elbow. And, and the knee needs the leg. And the, the leg needs the, the ankle. And he's, he's given this illustration of we're all fitly joined together because we need each other. It's part of God's plan. Think about this illustration all through everything that God's ever done. God is so cool that everything that God created, he created things to work together that are polar opposites. Have you ever thought of that? God could have created anything that he wanted to, but he creates things that are polar opposite. Think about how God gave us the daytime to to, to get things done, and then he makes all the lights go out and gives us nighttime for us to rest. What did he do? He made things that are polar opposite work together. Think about when we get rain. Rain is the complete opposite of sunshine. But I'll tell you, in order for plants to grow and for us to reap a harvest, we need the sunshine and we need the rain. Think about when God made the earth. He made oceans and he made land. Everything that God... Think about the, the moon. God made the moon that is polar opposite, that just sits there and reflects the light and affects the season. And God made the sun that, that, that is this giant ball of gas that burns but the thing is, God created both of them to work in harmony, and they need each other. I was reading in my devotions, and I came across this. You said, this is science. No, science came from the Bible. The science that we live in life is, is all based on the Bible. He said in Psalms 104, verse 19, He appointed the moon for seasons, and the sun knoweth his going down. So with that, I read about that in the science book. You can also read that in the Bible, because God's the one that created the sun, moon, and stars. But the, the whole point that he was illustrating through this, he said, they're polar opposites and designs, but God created them to work in unity. A lot of things that we have on earth or in our world is we, we, we reject things that are different than us. You realize that when God created men and he created women, they are completely opposite in so many ways. The way that they think, the way that they process, the way that we view problems. And you say, well, that's a horrible thing. And a lot of times it's like we try to make everything equal. And God says they're equal in value but different in design. Yep. And, and God did that on purpose to create a unity. There are things in life that I'm better at than Jenny. There are things in life that Jenny is better than me. But the reason that God makes us different is God made us dependent upon each other to bring in unity to bring in something beautiful, and the world sits there and rejects that form of thinking. He tries to put us all on the same page. We should be celebrating the fact that men and women are different, and God created us for different roles to create harmony. When we start separating that, the world gets out of balance because things are not balanced the way that God created them. You say the world doesn't view it that way. We don't go by the world's way of thinking. We go by the author, Elohim, the creator God. He created things to work. In a certain way, in a certain process of doing things, God made the church different. You know, it's a beautiful thing for us to be part of Fellowship Baptist Church, of the fact that we have so many older people in the church and so many younger people in the church. Now, I'll be honest; that is almost unique because of the fact. As a lot of churches, that causes division. Because I'll be honest. The older generation thinks differently than the younger generation. And the younger generation thinks differently than the older generation. But you know what the older generation and the younger generation comes together to form? You're going to say, the church. I have another word for you. It's called family. We're a family. Everything that he emphasized in this passage is family. Can I tell the older people that this church would die without us having younger people? Can I tell the younger people that we would die without the older people? We need the wisdom and the experience and the heritage and the example of the older people. We need the energy and the passion and the strength of the younger people. But see, what happens is when we have two different things that we need, Satan loves to get in the middle of that and push them apart. A lot of churches today are closing in America because you have an older generation that rejects anything changing and all of a sudden things get to the point where the church dies because they didn't want any change but you can't have youth without it. You have some younger churches that are growing but they have a lot of spiritual immaturity in them because they are missing out on the experience of the older people that have said, I've been married for 50 years, I know a thing or two and I could speak into your life because I know some things. And what we get in our flash. We'll reject that. You know one of the reasons that we have two services on Sunday and we make both of them identical, the same, and they say you should just make one cater to one group and one cater to the other group, you know what that would do? It would cause division. You know what I want? I want older people sitting on one row and the other younger family sitting there the other as an example because we are made to connect together. Can I put it like this? We need each other. God created us to need each other. I need you and you need me. You need the person sitting next to you right now, and they need you in their life. So God made us dependent upon each other. You think about, we say, God works. God works through the church. God works in this world. We're praying for God to work. Can I just stop and ask you the question, how does God work? Do you realize when God works, God works through us? God works through us, and that's not me trying to build ourselves up, like we're something special. No, God works through us to build stages. God works through us to bring our kids to camp. God works through us to worship teams. God works through us to edify and build up. God works us. The Bible says in Proverbs, iron sharpeneth iron. You know, and, and You know what that is? It's people coming together that are going to sharpen and make each other better. So the thing is, in every one of our lives, if God has family in your life, you're intentionally designed to have those people in your life on purpose. brother sister, mom, dad, kids, uh, whatever the relationship is, God made that. You say, I didn't order him to be my brother. God created that person to be your brother. I didn't order that person to be my mom. God created them to be your mom. God created that. We sit there and brag on God. God's the creator, the author of everything, which means that God makes no mistakes. The people that you have in your life, God intended for you to have in your life. Because God makes no mistakes. So, what happens is the people that I have standing next to me, Satan loves to push apart that which he created for you to have. God created us to have each other on purpose. God created. It's part of God's plan. We make each other better. We make each other better. Let me, let me just throw this out there just, just because it's an opportunity for me to preach on this because it's so important. You talk about fighting against division. We stand against division. We stand against racism. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I thought that was... Racism is dividing one person that God created from another person based on preference or the idea of the color or background or nationality of them. That, that's sin. You know what that is? That's, that's division. We, we, we talk about sins that happen in our world, and you say, well, I was raised to view it differently. Well, if you were raised to view it differently, you were raised to view it wrong. It was, you should have based something off of your background of something that you raised a certain way of viewing something. Sin is sin, no matter how you view it. We, we should fight, we should stand against that which is evil and wrong. Anything that divides God's people from being together is sin. Let me take it a step further. Talking about we stand against uh, uh, um, division, division is a uh, work of the devil, So, well, that's an exaggeration. Let me prove this to you. From the very beginning, when when Adam and Eve were in the garden, you say that sin came into the world because the serpent came in and deceived them and all that other stuff. But let me tell you what else came into the world simultaneously with sin was separation and division. When Satan was in the garden, he said, Yea, as God said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, And he started questioning God. Do you know what the result of that was? Is Adam is blaming Eve, and Eve is blaming the serpent. And as a result of that division that happened there, they, Adam and Eve, were now separated from God in there. Every bit of that was separation. Sin brings separation. That is why we talk about the wages of sin is death. The, the, The whole idea of that is it separates us from God, because we need God in our life. Sin brings separation. So you have to understand that from the very beginning of what Satan was doing is he, he was trying to divide Adam and Eve. He was trying to divide Cain and Abel. He was trying to divide Adam and Eve from God. There's division. It's a work of Satan. Now, let me show you this. Paul was writing to another church, and he's writing another epistle, and he says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor. Why is he saying that's so important? For we are members one of another. Listen to this. Be angry you're going to get upset. Things are going to agitate you. Things are going to make your blood boil. Things are not going to be right. People are going to say something. You say, that is not right. Be angry. And some of you are like, praise God for that verse. Well, there's more to the verse. Don't get too excited. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You know why he was saying that? He said, you better deal with it before it turns into something. You know what the very next verse is that he says in that? He says, neither give place to the devil. You see, what happens is when I'm angry at somebody, I say, well, I'm done with them. We should go to church. I'm not going to go in that room and see so-and-so. I'm not going to be in that place. I'm not going to the family reunion. I'm not going to the party. I'm not going to the life group. I can't stand so-and-so. You know what that does? It gives place to the devil. When he separates you, he pulls you away from things that you need. You just need to call it out and say, if, if, if there's any kind of separation, you just need to say, Satan is at work. Satan's at work. Satan is working in our family. Satan is working in our marriage. Satan is working. We we hate to claim that. We hate to say that. But just call it what it is. If you give opportunity for Satan, it's because you are disconnected from what you need. And that's been Satan's plan from the very beginning. And I'll tell you, when Satan steps in, he loves to spread it. He loves to make it worse. He, he, He loves to add to it. He, he, and it doesn't even have to be anything legitimate. It, it, can, it can just be something that was subtle in your mind. And you say, Satan's out to do what? He's out to destroy you. You say, prove that to me. Mark 3.25, he said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Go ahead and let it come into your life. Go, let it into your marriage. Let it into the church. And I promise you, it will destroy everything. Division goes against God's plan. The vision is a work of Satan. But notice what he says in the third chapter. Notice, turn, turn to this in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ. Think about what Paul is saying in this. He said, he said guys, I can't even get real with you guys. He said, these issues that I'm talking about that you're dealing with... No, I'm not being mean. I'm just calling it out the way that Paul said. He said, if there is division and strife and everything, he said, it's because you're a bunch of spiritual babies, when, when, when somebody is young and you have a toddler, a two-year-old, a one-year-old, whatever, and they don't get their way or somebody upsets them, they'll throw themselves to the ground, they'll pitch a fit, they'll, they'll, they'll scream and cry or whatever to get their way. And you just say, what is that? Well, they just don't know better, so we correct them. The idea is we're trying to get them to a spiritual maturity or, or mental uh, maturity to understand that's not how we act. It's not Okay. What Paul was saying here is he said, you guys are a bunch of babies. He said, I came to you to feed you spiritual meats, and yet you're a bunch of people that gather together, but you're still on the milk. You know what the idea of the milk is? Somebody with the milk has to pick up the baby and stick the bottle in their mouth and say, okay, did it's easy to process. But a meat is something that you have to feed yourself. You have to cut it up and feed yourself. He was literally saying, you guys have not grown spiritually, and as a result, look at what He says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for we're here too you are not able to bear it, neither are you able now. There's no spiritual growth. If there's no spiritual growth, everything's going to make you mad. You're going to get agitated. You're, you're going to sit there and say, well, I, I told them off and I gave them a piece of my mind. Why? Well, that's just how I felt. The Bible says you are carnal. You do whatever the flesh leads you to do. You do what feels good. You do what came to your mind. It's not, it has nothing to do with spiritual things, what you want. He says, you're not getting this. He said, for you are yet carnal, whereas because of that, there is among you envying, strife, divisions, and yet you are carnal and walk as men. For while one saith, I am a Paul, and the other one says, I'm Apollos, he says, honestly, this is what it is. He said, you are, you are, are you not carnal? You're babies, you're a bunch of spiritual babies. And as a result of this, you say, that's ridiculous. Let me draw a parallel. If, 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 if your wife came up to you, let me pick on the guys for a minute. If your wife came up to you and said, honey, I need to talk to you. Listen, we, we, we have a lot of fam- family coming over. The garage is a mess. The yard hasn't been cut. I, I, I'm asking you to, to stay home on Saturday. And cut the grass and clean, clean out the garage or whatever. And if your husband threw himself on the floor and started kicking his feet and crying whatever. And like you say, get up. Come on. We don't act that way. What are you doing, big boy? You, you'd say, that is ridiculous. You'd say, that, that is absolutely unacceptable. But you realize what Paul was saying to Christians that are writing each other off and disowning each other and blocking each other on Facebook. And I want nothing. He's literally saying up to you says, you are throwing and pitching a fit like a baby. So you know better. You better. He said, well, I don't view it that way. Well, that's because you're not eating the meat. It's not just the encouragement of, man, that made me feel so good today, pastor. Sometimes the message isn't made to make you feel better. It's made to make you live better. There's a difference. See, let me break it down like this. Paul was just saying here, division is a sign of spiritual immaturity. And it makes us uncomfortable. But if you're sitting there where I write people off, I don't get along with people, I don't like them, I'm not going there, I I cut that person off, it's just a sign of spiritual immaturity. I'm not making that up, I'm I'm not trying to be creative, that's just what it says. He said, you're carnal, you're fleshly, you're led of your flesh rather than being led of God. Can I say that you can be raised in church, be 50, 60, 80, 90 years old, and go to church and still be a spiritual baby? If you never go from the milk where somebody is feeding you to the meat where you break it down yourself, then you stay in the same spiritual immaturity level. And all that happens as a result of that is you have a nursery rather than a church. It was not just a message of don't divide, it goes deeper than this. He says, but that you be perfectly joined together. Can I know this? Here's what he was saying. This is how we're different. See, he says, how are we different? We stand against division. But number two, he says, we strive for unity. We strive for unity. Notice what he says in that verse. He says, verse 10, that there be no division among you, but. And he stops in the middle of it. He says, but, guys, it's not good enough. It's not just good enough that you say, well, we get along okay, or, or I tolerate them, or I don't like them, but I don't say anything, the Bible is not saying that that's okay. He says, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. He was not just saying, don't be divided, he said, you should be connected. That's what he's saying. He said, I'm telling you what should be different about the church than the world is the fact that God's people come together and there should be joy and peace and love and all of those things that bond us together to where when they get into our youth group, it's not a matter of, well, I don't talk to them or they made me mad or I wrote them off or I can't stand their face. It's a matter of, hey, we get along because we're family and I've got your back no matter what because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a difference. And that doesn't naturally happen because our flesh pushes against this. He said, but they can be perfectly joined together. That perfectly joined means there's a bond there. That means fit together. It means that we're connected, we're, that we're healthy. It's not just that my, bio, my arm is not out of joint, but it's strong and it's healthy and it's connected and everything's working together. That's what he's saying. It's not a matter of just getting by. We're not trying to limp through life. We're, we, we should be thriving in life as, as a body of Christ, as a family of God, as a personal family. We should be thriving. He says this. He said that you'd be perfectly going together in the same mind and in the same judgment. See, the, what he's saying is everything's based upon the same mind and saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's not about who is right. It's about doing what is Right? You think about it, it's like I sit there and say, well, they won't prove to me that I'm right, or I'm right and they're wrong, and they won't admit it. And I told them this, and now I'm trying to prove to them, and I have the text to back it up. It's not about who's right. Because if there's division, nobody's right. It's about making it right. Here's what Paul was saying. We confront division. We confront it. And if it's there of any sort, I step into it and say, not Right. You, you, let me prove it to you. When, when Paul heard about there being division in the church, he said in verse 11, he said, Be declared unto me by the house of Chloe that there's division in the church. Then he says unto them, he said, There is to be no division in the church. He says in verse 13, he says, Hey, is Christ divided? So what he's doing is he's questioning it. With whatever relationship, with whoever's divided in here, whether it's at home or family whatever, the question is, are you confronting it? You say, well, I just look the other way. I don't want to start something. I don't want to cause something. But let me tell you, by not fixing it, there is a problem already. Problems of division don't just go away. If there's a splinter, it doesn't just go away. You ignore it and it gets infected. We confront division. There's dangerous words that we can say when we when we start talking about it. Say, man, you should really go talk to him because I can tell you that's bothering. Yeah, but we justify it. I know what the Bible says. Yeah, but this is different. Have you ever heard anybody say that? It's like I I know, I know, I know. Yeah, but there's no yeah, buts. If God says there's to be no division, there's to be no division. Let let, let me change it like this or fix it like this. We confront division, but we correct division. It's not just a matter of just addressing it or confronting it. We correct it. The Bible is very clear that it is our responsibility to address problems like this. So let me give you three steps to this because this is important. Number one, it starts with you. It starts with you. Proverbs 13.10 says this, Only by pride comes contention. Only by pride. It is the source, it's the root of the problem. You sit there and like, Pastor Tony, I know that, but I can't fix their pride. I know it's pride. I can't get them to admit it. You realize that the pride starts with you. Isn't it interesting when Jesus was teaching, and he was talking to them about issues, and he said that before you go to your brother to confront a problem, he he said to take the twig out of their own eye, he said you need to take the beam out of your own. You know what he's saying? He said, let me say that you all have problems. And guys, by the way, we all have problems. Yeah. I don't care what marriage that, that, you, that you're in and, and you say, well, she has this and she has this. Let me tell you, if there's problems in the marriage, the, the marriage problems are on both sides. It's never just one-sided. Pa- yes, Pastor Tony, I get that. But if they would just get it right, no, it starts with us. Pride says this. Pride says it's their fault. Pride says they have the problem, not me. Pride will shift the blame. Pride will say that they're right and you're uh, that you're right and they're wrong. Pride will say this. Well, if they want it right, then they can just come to me. That's what pride is. Pride is not. You, you realize when Jesus had the problem with Judas, he gets on his knees and washes his feet. Do you understand that every time that Jesus came, he came with an uh, the, the heart of humility. When he came to be born, he came as in, in a baby in a manger. When he came to confront Judas, he came and washed his feet and bowed as a servant before him. And a lot of times we have this attitude, well, I know I'm not wrong. If they want it right, they should come to me. That's not the idea that God's giving you. The Bible says, only by pride comes contentions, but honor, literally meaning by doing what is right, shall uphold the humble in spirits. You see, God reaches in. God humbles the spirit. God forgives. God does what you cannot do. Approach a problem that you know is wrong and try to do it in your own flesh, and I promise you it's going to fall apart. Go into it with the idea that you're going to win. You turn it into a fight, not, not a meeting between brothers and sisters in Christ to make it right. It starts with us, no matter whose fault it is. Matthew 5, says unto this, and you say, this is weird. Let me show you something that is way different. I say unto you, this is Jesus, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. You say that sounds crazy to the world. It does sound crazy to the world but it shouldn't sound crazy to us. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Man, do good to them. It's, it's, It's turn the other cheek and do what sounds crazy to the world. Shock them with the love. Shock that brother and sister in Christ. Starts with you. Number two, make the first move. Jesus was teaching the Beatitudes and he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that endeavor to say, I know things are not right, so I'm gonna to go to you. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what the Bible said. That's what Jesus said. He said in Matthew 18, and if anybody is a Christian for any length of time, you knew that I was gonna to go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18 says this, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him. Can I just break down what a trespass is? If you go up to a house and it says no trespassing. They're saying that I have a line that is my property. And if you cross it, you're trespassing. So what its Bible is saying here, if you have anybody that's crossed a line, may, may, maybe they said something that made you uncomfortable. May, maybe they looked at you and it looked insulting. Maybe they commented something and you couldn't read it, and all of a sudden things did not seem right within you because you feel like they've crossed the line. The Bible says if you have anybody in your life that has crossed the line and it upset you, what did he say? Go and tell him. The key to this between you and him alone. It's not a public offense. It's not go talk about them or gossip about them. It's literally go and tell him. Don't blast it on Facebook. Oh, we don't blast it on Facebook. We're, we're more creative than that, aren't we? You guys know what I'm saying? This, listen to this. this. This is what we do. We'll do something like, oh, man, it doesn't feel good when you get stuck in the back. And then you post that. Can I ask when you post some sort of random, like, can't trust your friends, Can you? Post it. What is your? What is the goal of that post? Can can I just be real with you guys? What is the goal of that post? If I'm sitting there and I'm reading that, how should I respond? Should I be like thumbs up or love or heart? Like you get, it's, What what am I supposed to do with that? Because you threw it out there on social media for what reason? And I'll tell you the reason why we put anything on social media is for what? We want a reaction. Well, let me ask you, how are people supposed to react to that passive-aggressive statement? Because what we're looking, what we really want to do is like, oh my goodness, what happened? And then you're sitting there saying, I don't want to say, I I don't want to cause problem. Well, too late. You already posted it. You already put it out there for people to scratch their head going, what is up with that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, what what did you mean to happen with that? What, What was your intention for that? What were you wanting to happen? That's right. I mean, it's, it's just fishing for Satan to be able to step up and say, well, I'll call you because I just don't want to make stink. And all of a sudden, you're contacting that person and then the other person. The Bible made it very clear. If, the, if you, somebody's trespass against them, you go to them. Say, that's not what the world does. I know, what the world's falling apart. We don't do what the world does. Amen. You go to them. Yep. And the Bible makes it very clear what we're to do. It's, it's, if you go to them and him alone... Tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And I'll tell you, if he shall hear thee, if you go to them and say, hey, listen, are things okay? Because when I got around you the other day, it seemed cold. Hey, can I ask you a question? When I posted that, you made that comment, maybe I'm reading into it, I want to, but I want to make sure things are cool between us. Hey, when we were talking on the phone and you made that comment, did you, did you mean this? Because I took it that way, and I just want to go to him and tell him the thing between you and him. He said, If they will hear you, you've gained a brother. You know what he's saying? You've stayed, you kept the connection together, you kept something in your life that you need. You were created to have those people, you kept the connection that you needed. Let me tell you the truth. Nine out of ten times, it's usually a misunderstanding. I had somebody have told this story before, but it was just so impactful to me. I was at the church. A family drove up to the church. They parked underneath the carport. They came into the church and, and had this talk. And, and, and years later, I, this, this happened. And years later, he, he came to me and says, you know why my wife doesn't come anymore? I said, no. I said, what in the world? And he says, well, because of that one thing that happened between you two. I said, What? I said, I, I, I had no idea that there was something that happened to her. He goes, Yeah, ever since that happened, she's, she's not wanted to come back to the church because you offended her so bad. I said, Oh my goodness. I said, What in the world? And he says, Remember that one time I came to the church and my wife stayed in the car? He says, You went out to your car, got in your car, and he, she sat there and turned to you and was waving at you and like saying hi. And, and I said, I had no idea. And I said, I went out to his car. We were by his car. I said, You have tinted windows. I can't even see in your car. He goes, Oh, I never thought of that. I said, I never saw your wife waving at me. She's looking at me through the tinted window, and I couldn't see inside of it. So we went back, and the problem was solved after that. But I'm telling you, there was all this contention and strife. If they would have just came to me and said, hey, I was ignoring you. I never saw you. okay. Problem solved. Do you know how often things like that happen in church and relationships Somebody's busy, they don't see you, or they get the text message, and then they get busy because they clicked on it, but they forgot to respond. He's like, well, he totally blew me off. No, they totally were just weren't paying attention. Is does, does anybody with me on this? Is, can, you guys know what I'm talking about when it comes? It, it's not a, But all that the Bible is saying is, if there's anything that you felt trespassed, go to them and say, is everything okay? And you say, but what, am I, what if I'm wrong? Yeah. Pastor Tony, what if I say that, and they're not upset with me at all? Trust me, if anybody came to me and said, Pastor Tony, I love you, we're friends, but something happened, I just want to make sure things okay, I'm not going to be like, you're a horrible friend. I'm going to be like, thank you for coming to me. I'm glad you thought enough of our relationship that you weren't willing to let anything come between us. That you love me enough to make sure things are right. You say, this is not normal. No, it's not normal. But it should be coming normal within God's people. There should be unity in the family. There should be unity in the church. There should be unity between a child and his parent. There should be unity between a brother and sister in the house of God. There should be unity. Let me end with this. It starts with you. Make the first move. Do what's right. And leave the rest to God because I know what a lot of you are thinking. You're sitting there saying, I've tried that and they've ripped me off. You do what's right. You do what's right. You do what's right. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. When you do what is right, God steps in and says, I know you went to him. I know you talked to him. Let, let me take it from here. And the spirit of God will convict them. The spirit of God will work in their hearts and mind. The spirit of God goes to work. Don't, don't try to force and do the work of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's probably some of you like I, I have that, I, I've tried that, but I tell you there's still contention. All you can do is take care of what you know to do. You obey the word of God, you do what's right and then leave the rest to God. And I tell you, and, and God steps in. He says even, he, he maketh even his enemies to be at work with them. Love them, pray for them and let God work in them. Do what's right. I, I, I'm preaching this not because there's problems. I'm preaching this because I don't want there to be problems. Four to 8,000 churches in, in America close their doors every year. And I promise you, we hear the words in church, God's people saying church splits, or older young people are mad at the older, are mad at the younger and younger mad at the older, or families divide or households divide. And I'm like, Paul was just saying, whoa, 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 stop. It's not of God. It's not God's plan. It's not okay. And for us to accept it, say, I'm done with you. Can't stand that person. I'll never, be, I'll never talk to them again. Satan's just like, yeah, buddy, let's do this together. It's ungodly. It's filthy. It's unrighteousness. It will never bring peace. But I'll tell you this. Go ahead and have a relationship that's messed up. Go to them and just say, hey, I'm tired of this. I love you sorry I messed up I don't even know what I did but I I, I know I was mad And man I let things come between you and they come and they embrace you and say man I've I've been so upset I've missed you there's so many times I wanted to call you but I didn't because I was mad at you and I thought you were mad at me And you know what that is You you know what God does in that situation watch this God reunites something back that was missing that he designed for you to have in your life you put it like this this is called peace There's a weight that comes off of you. There's a rest that comes. There's unity. It's like, man, what are you doing tomorrow? I can't wait to go out to coffee with you and catch up because it's been far too long. And you kick Satan out of the problem.